0: Welcome to Believe in Progress, the American Association for Cancer Research Foundation's podcast. Join us as we share stories of hope and inspiration that will lift your spirits and remind you that no matter how difficult the journey may be, there's always hope. We will explore the latest breakthroughs in cancer research and hear from leading experts who are working tirelessly to find new treatments and cures in the fight against cancer. Believe in Progress isn't just about the science of cancer, It's about the human side of this disease. We'll hear from cancer survivors who have overcome incredible odds to beat cancer, thanks to the groundbreaking research and innovative treatments that are changing the landscape of cancer treatment. Join us on this journey of hope and progress. Subscribe to Believe in Progress, the AACR Foundation podcast today. Together, we can make progress in the fight against cancer and bring hope to those who need it most. On this episode of Believe in Progress, the AACR Foundation podcast, we have a very special guest, Lauren Hart. You may know her as the voice behind the national anthem at Philadelphia Flyers home games, but Lauren is also a survivor of her own cancer battle and has been an advocate for cancer patients and their families for years. Lauren Hart has sung the national anthem before Philadelphia Flyers games since 1997. In 1999, at the age of 25, shortly after her father, Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster Gene Hart had died from cancer, Lauren was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. From there, in Lauren's own words, she, quote, got sick, got dropped from her record label, got better, started working with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and the Pennsylvania Hospital Cancer Center. She was elected to the Board of Governors, of the National Recording Academy and served two years as president. Quote, started recording on her own and independently put out three CDs, Painted Bride, Girl Keeps On, and Five Lifetimes. Appeared, well, can be heard in the Disney movie Miracle, a great movie, by the way, about hockey, and she sang the national anthem. Got a TV show, 10, on NBC co-hosted in the mornings with Bill Henley. She then met her future husband, Todd Carmichael of La Colombe Coffee Roasters, when he was a guest on Lauren's show. In 2005, Lauren married Todd and shortly thereafter released her fourth CD, Good Things, all while still singing for the Flyers and writing music for some documentary films. Lauren then won the L.A. Cinema Film Festival Award for Best Documentary, Race to the Bottom of the Earth. Lauren's passion for music is matched only by her passion for the charitable organizations she's committed to. Moms Demand Action, Every Town, International Justice Mission, and the Jean Hart Memorial Fund, where she helps oversee college scholarships and contributes to cancer research and patients. Lauren is on the board of governors of the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, known for the Grammy Awards, and is the chapter's vice president. She also sits on the board of the Philadelphia Orchestra, has been on advisory boards for both the Pennsylvania Hospital and the Philadelphia Zoo, and is an honorary board member of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Southern New Jersey chapter. In 2007, Lauren was honored by the Society with its prestigious Person of the Year Award. She was named Humanitarian of the Year by the Friends of the American Cancer Society in 2010. Lauren's voice, her courage, and her unwavering spirit have made her a beacon of hope for the cancer community. She's performed at countless cancer-related events, including Hockey Fights Cancer, using her talent to bring joy and inspiration to others. In this episode, we will hear Lauren's inspiring story and how she has since dedicated her life to helping others going through the same thing. Join us as we speak to Lauren about her journey and the power of hope in the face of adversity. Lauren, we're really, really honored to have you here today and uh, look forward to this discussion.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So, before we start our discussion with Lauren, I'm going to ask those of you who are listening to this episode or watching this episode on your YouTube channel to please consider subscribing to our podcast, sharing this episode with a friend, and heading over to our website, AACR.org, to consider making a donation. You can support the life saving cancer research with any donation you make today. So, please consider donating to AACR. Your donation could help make a difference in the lives of cancer survivors like Lauren. And could help to bring us one step closer to a world without cancer. So, Lauren, um, great to have you here. Um, you did, you've done some remarkable things, and you're still doing remarkable things in your career. Could you tell us a little bit about your cancer jir- journey, perhaps when you were first diagnosed, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of how that all went down for you?
1: So, my father, who was much loved here in the city of Philadelphia as the hockey announcer for the for the Flyers since their inception. Um, was battling colon cancer. And I was taking care of him along with my mom. And I think it was just a very stressful, um, just tough period for my family. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was probably already sick at that moment Um, because six months later, I was finally officially diagnosed. But uh, what had begun as a, a, a lump in my chest was now growing out into, you into know, kind of a scary looking thing. And uh, it took a while for people to maybe recognize what that was because it was sort of unbelievable that my father had just gone through this yeah. and I'm young, a young pers- younger person and this doesn't happen this way. And so I don't wanna say it's denial, but I just think uh, people just didn't see it for what it was at the time, including myself. So I, I got diagnosed a little bit later than I would have liked to, but uh, in the long run, I'm I'm still here. So. Were you not
0: feeling well though before you were officially diagnosed? Oh or could yes, you tell?
1: I couldn't get rid of my colds. Uh-huh. I just couldn't rebound from things. I was exhausted. I was stressed out. But again, I attributed that to the loss of my my dad. Yes, um, and all that stress that we went through. Um, so it didn't dawn on me and add up until it got to the point where I would get in my car. And I literally I couldn't take any bumps in the road. I couldn't take, you know, any movement of the car because it my whole entire body hurt. And so the car, and then it got to the point at, at night I was propping myself up with pillows and sort of just trying to stay immobile um, because when I moved, it hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and I knew when it got to that point something's really wrong. So I had called my doc and I said, listen, I, I really need to come in. I think it was a Friday and, and she'd said, well, well, I will see you first thing Monday. And I said, no, I need to see you now. I mean, just something inside lit up and said, wait a minute, this is not right. And so I saw her immediately was in a, was in a scan a couple hours later and was having that conversation, you know, very shortly after that. So
0: were you given a, a certain state Were you diagnosed at a certain stage? Do you know what that was?
1: I was, I was at stage two. Okay. Um, progressing to stage three. And so it was, it, it was right on the border there that it was, um, really starting to spread. And I was lucky that, you know, I had those giant warning signs to let me get the help that I needed to get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So if if I can ask you about your Mm -hmm. dad for a minute Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, being a family member, part of a support system Mm -hmm. for somebody that there's a lot of people listening out there that are support, you know, um, trying to help their their loved ones through cancer, um, and you uh, uh, being the daughter of this this great guy, um, wh- what was that like for the family? I mean, it, was a, it must have been a really hard time. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, it, it of course it is, and I, I always say to people when I'm when I'm talking about this that in a in a strange way it was harder to be the caregiver because you feel helpless for your loved one for your friend, you just want to be able to do something to change that situation. But all you can really be is just there and try to go through the process. I think when you are the patient, I feel like you're on a, you have a mission and you go to your appointments and you are active in your, you know, recovery um, or on your road to wellness. And I think, although that of course comes with its own stresses, um, I really have great respect and great, uh, empathy and a heart for, for those who take care of people who are in this position, because it really is a a whole different level of understanding and patience. And I just, um, hands down, I bow down to people who are, who are there for the people that need them most.
0: And um, it's pretty amazing that you, you still uh, do the Star Spangled Banner before the Flyers game It is, is that, amazing. I, <laughs> like, I say that every you,
1: time. I'm like, you, you, I'm still here. How, oh, my How many, gosh. Have,
0: how many have, have have you done? Have you counted? Do they keep count of how many? I, you know
1: what? I'm sure there is an official count. <laughs> so if you figure 97, 25 years and right. like 50 years a game, you know, like 50 games a year plus. So, but was yeah, this to it's honor, a lot.
0: was this to honor dad? Was this like, was that part of the motivation? It
1: was. Uh, he had been inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and the year after they had opened the new building, which is the Wells Fargo Center yes. now, uh, the opening night of that that hockey season, they had said, we'd love for you to come and sing. We're gonna honor your dad. And I said, sure, and went out and he walked me out. I have a great photo of that moment, the two of us together.
0: Bet that's special. It
1: really is. And uh, when I came off the ice, someone came to me and said, how about coming every night? And I thought, well, okay, because, <laughs> I had moved back into the area. I had been living in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be here with my, with my mom and my dad. I I kind of felt his health wasn't the best and that I wanted to have time to share with both of them. So it was a great sort of what I thought was an intermediary little pause in my career (laughs) to be part of the team and be part of something my dad and my family loved for so many years. Um, And obviously that went a little longer than anticipated. Yes, Um, When I started, I think that doing the National Anthem definitely does not mean today what it meant then. It has really changed over the years um, in how people look at it, in controversy, and in the desire to do it. I mean, when I started, I don't think a lot of people wanted to sing the National Anthem, Um, but now, you know, celebrities and all sorts of talent, you know, sort of clamor to get that Super Bowl spot or, you know, the World Series, these special spots to sing this song. You bet. Um, so it, it it's really been an interesting journey in the song itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gone through a lot of um, changes over the years, but <clears throat> it was a safe haven for me. It was my family—not in addition to my father, but the Snyder family and the Flyers family—and so it was a, a safe place. And it was home.
0: So, can you tell me a little bit about that family? Because I was reading about how special they were to you. um, The uh, Eric Lindros, the Snyder family, Mm -hmm. uh, when you were first diagnosed, and they they did some really special things for you. And I think uh, were this sound like an unbelievable support system.
1: It really wasn't, and it was all sort of unknowing. You kind of just go. You're on autopilot when you're in that situation. And uh, so, I had been diagnosed. I had actually had surgery on surgery on my uh, neck and had had a few days off. So I didn't tell anybody. I showed up with my turtleneck <laughs> to the next game. <laughs> and in between periods, I said, I need to I need to talk to you. And so I, I spoke to the then president, Ron Ryan, and, and Ed Snyder, and I told them what was happening, um, which was again, really shocking because my father was a member of that family as yes. well for them. So this was just, you know, all the way around, um, just kind of stunning to, to us at the moment. But I I had asked, I said, I don't know if you want me to stay. I don't know how I'm going to feel, How what I'm going to look like, how it's going to work. And without hesitation, they said, hands down, we want you here every night. And if you can't be, we got you, but we want you here every night. So I think just that moment of knowing that I had that song, that minute and a half, something to get up and get going for, it was so crucial to my recovery. It was Was such a, was it therapeutic? It was completely therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll say that unknowingly, uh, you know, I didn't do this with any intention. It was only that I thought if I kept doing music, I'd still feel alive and vital and in, in life still, you know, so.
0: That's pretty cool. So when you were diagnosed and then you started treatment, Mm -hmm. how did you cope with that? I mean, you know, did, did you use music to help you you through coping with, with the cancer treatment that you were given and just dealing with cancer and all all the, all the above?
1: Yeah, I think for me, and I did music is always my healing, my special world. Um, so I definitely relied on that, relied on my family. Um, and you know, as as far as the support, again, I'm going to go back to saying, you know, I did go out and sing those games. And so every night I felt that I had, you know, Twenty thousand people on my team and on my side, <clears throat> and what I didn't realize at the time, because you're so in your own world, was that there were people out there going through it too, yeah. and there were pe- there were friends and mothers and sisters and brothers and fathers, and they were out there and they were sharing this journey with me. Um, so we kind of had each other, even though I didn't know them and didn't, you know, recognize maybe all of the people that had shared or were sharing that experience, I think it just made such an impact on my life. And to this day, I have people that will come up to me and say, you know, when you were going through this, um, you were such an inspiration and I was going through this, or my friend was going through this. And, uh, uh, you know, it just resonated even 20 years later. It, It just has that impact. So for me, that was a great life lesson about just giving somebody their hand your hand and extending yourself so
0: along those lines and you know being a great inspiration to those people that you didn't even know were dealing with cancer but were listening to you we we're talking earlier about you doing peer counseling still mm-hmm. to the day and helping people could you talk a little bit about that and um hey how that helps you but more importantly how it helps the people yeah. that you're talking to So
1: just to jump backwards again a little bit when I had been diagnosed with the flyers First person to call me was Eric Lindros. I first person to get me a stick from another team. I got a Maryland U hockey stick, and when I walked out one night, so everybody kind of rallied. And I thought, you know, okay, that's just a little tiny moment, but I had received a phone call or 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 an email from a boy I went to high school with, who's a man now, of course, (laughs) and uh, he had just just simply given me the message that hey. I went through this, I'm still here, and you can do this too. And just those words of saying, I've been there, you can do this, meant so much. It just changed my whole demeanor, my outlook. Um, I think I was pretty positive to begin with, but a weight came off of me at that moment that I can't describe anyone that's been through that will understand. But that meant so much to me that there was no question if I got past, you know, the hurdles that I was going through, that I was going to do the same for somebody else because it 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 could be just as simple as, Hey, how are you? I'm thinking of you, you know, go flyers, you know, but in that moment you're, you're affecting someone in such a positive way. So I, I still peer counsel, people just write me and there's no formal pathway to doing this, but if they, if you want to find me, I'm not hard to find and, um, I've made lifelong friends over the years just from these conversations. And again, it's it was a gift to me that I felt I wanted to pass on to other people.
0: And, and the people that you know you're you're helping these are people that are some still dealing with cancer, mm-hmm. uh, cancer diagnosis, and uh, all different types of uh, probably sort stories. I would mm-hmm. imagine, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and it, you know, cancer does not discriminate, as you know. I do know that. Um, Uh, But fortunately for me, you know, most of the stories and most of the journeys that I've gone on with others have ended positively. Um, And and that's the word that I always say. There's no reason not to have hope ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just been really gratifying to me to know that just connecting with people means so much the
0: music is such a big part mm-hmm. of your life are you yeah. what do you, are you working on things right now within the music industry or mm-hmm. your own you know your own projects
1: well I, i'm always working on new music i just did ho- christmas music um and now kind of january february is kind of a quiet time and so you kind of rev up again in the spring and and get going again and um you know the album that you had mentioned earlier girl keeps on was completely about su- survivorship and about moving forward and moving ahead and believing in yourself and and whatever it is, is the focus of your life. And it was, you know, to this day, probably my best-selling album, Um, and that's kind of cool. that that moment, that that really tough, tough moment um, brought out such a um, great uh, music and and outlet for me. Um, So I, I always have new things that I'm working on.
0: Were you um, formally trained, you know, to, to like
1: voice training? Or mm, I studied when I was young and I studied classically. Mm. So I, I don't know what I, which way I thought I was going, but, and I ended up at Temple um, with more of a popular music jazz sort of focus um, and writing and sort of theory. And I found the guitar I was originally a piano player, but I found the guitar and once I found that I could pick that instrument up and just go and play anywhere, anytime, I was like, oh, this is for me. So I ended up in like a songwriter rock sort of genre Mm -hmm. um, because I just wanted to make music all the time. And And I said-
0: Did somebody spot your talent early on or or to-
1: Well, my mom and dad-
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your best uh, cheerleaders, I'm sure. Yes, of
1: course. Yeah, there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of those great moments. Mm-hmm. I think you know the 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 first, you know, first biggest moment happened here in in um, Philadelphia at the Academy of Music, and they were honoring um, just some great Philadelphia legends like Patti LaBelle mm. and um, Teddy Pendergrass and um,
0: the Philadelphia Sound. Yeah, the right?
1: Philadelphia Sound. Yeah. and I was along for the ride. My best friend's dad was a member of this group, the Dovells, who. Wrote and sang the the Bristol Stomp and we're from this area and growing up, I was like, oh my gosh, one day, you know? And so they had invited me to come along to this, to this concert and I'm sitting in the audience and they're, they're getting the, um, the finale together where they would have everybody on stage and they were all going to sing Philadelphia Freedom, Mm -hmm. except nobody knew the words, (laughs) but me. Uh (laughs) <laughs> said, I know it. Right. And I actually got to go up on stage and lead all these legends, which was like shh, mind-blowing, um, in this song. And so that was like the first moment that I was like, wow, something big might happen. Something, something more might happen here. And, you know, from that moment, I just kept moving forward, you know, and that's how I look at it to this day. I, I love getting these cool opportunities and all the things that I get to do. But the idea is just perseverance, which is just keep going, and that's how I live all of my life. Just keep going, and it doesn't mean every step is a huge stride. You great, know? great
0: message for but everybody keep moving, to persevere, right? Yep,
1: just keep moving forward. And I think there are things in my career that I would have liked to have achieved already or that I might n- never achieve, but I think I'm the winner because I'm still here, right. you know, and I'm still doing it, so I think that is a really great joy. And if you can look at, somebody said to me the other night, you know, the destination is is the journey, is to just move ahead. And so, I, and I really, really liked that because I think of a lot of uh, friends that did music when we started and that are no longer doing music. Right. So just to, be, just to be here still, and this is my job, that's the best. That's but, awesome. Yeah, I couldn't ask for more. Uh,
0: side story for you. So uh, I grew up playing the trumpet. Uh, my father was a trumpet player, so he taught me how to play trumpet, but then I, um, I had classical training from somebody who was a very, like the number one seat for the national symphony orchestra in Washington, DC. So I learned classical, Mm -hmm. but then obviously I went in and started playing soul music, which is how I know the Philadelphia sound. Um, and there's some awesome groups and nothing like rhythm and blues and, and with, with brass and Mm -hmm. all, all the above. Um, but just a little side story, nothing quite as accomplished as what you've done in your musical career. So, um, Lauren, there's gonna be many people I think that are listening to this podcast that are currently dealing with cancer. Some of, some of their family members might be dealing with cancer. What kind of message do you have for, for families, for individuals dealing with cancer? What, what's your message to those folks out there?
1: I think to kind of be while you're going through this to be in the in the moment as much as you possibly can, to not think too far ahead or look too far back um, and just try to just try to appreciate those small steps and you know they say a positive attitude, how important that is in in you know your progress and your outcome and I, I can assure you probably everyone in that spot is like, I'm going to give you a positive attitude. why wouldn't I? but I think Doing those small things for yourself, those small kindnesses for for the person you're you're taking care of, or for the person that's going through it, and I think it's it's really kind of the simple things because the big picture of cancer and treatment, and chemotherapy and radiation, it absolutely can be overwhelming. Um, I didn't even know what chemotherapy and radiation were when I got this disease. I thought they locked you in a room and they zapped you. I had no clue. I think growing up, I didn't see moms that had breast cancer. I feel like now every, you know, my neighborhood, there's a handful of kids, parents that I know that have gone through this. So I think your awareness just gets heightened. But I think, again, the, the, the best thing that you could do, small steps in the moment and just try to not look at getting to the end point, but just travel through, travel through and be kind to yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, any thoughts about philanthropic initiatives that are, you know, supporting cancer? So here at ACR, we're a very research focused organization. Uh, as I mentioned, we have 54,000 members all over the world and they're dedicated to finding cures. Um, any, any of your own thoughts about research and, and the promise of research for, for, for cancer survivors and families and Mm -hmm. future, unfortunately, future folks.
1: Well, like we said, um, I'm, really excited about the work they're doing in blood cancers and the work that's being done right here in, in Philadelphia. Yes. Particularly the last breakthrough was, N- ironically, NHL. Yes. Um, so um, yeah, I think there's changes every day and I think it's so close and it and it makes sense, you know, to the common person. I'm not a doctor or a research person, but I can understand it and I can see it and mm-hmm. you can feel it, you know, as as just someone who's been through this. You can feel it's coming, so that's really exciting.
0: Yeah, our city is—we're uh, we're blessed here in Philadelphia mm-hmm. with some wonderful institutions, yep. and uh, many of the folks that work at these institutions are a member of ACR. We our annual meeting is coming up in Orlando in in April, and uh, many of the uh, the scientists will be coming to our meeting to learn more about you know uh, future breakthroughs and and medical uh, medical advances, if you will. Um, so, if our listeners want to. Learn more about you or uh, listen to some of your music mm-hmm. that they were, they're first being introduced to today. Mm-hmm. How, how do they do that? How can they get in touch with uh, your, your world?
1: Well, easy enough. Online, where our whole world exists. So, laurenheart.com or Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, all those places that you go and listen to music. Um, you can find my stuff there. And uh, out and about at Flyers games. <laughs> right. And at a, at a venue in your hometown soon, probably, right? Right.
0: Um, and one, one final question. When you were going through the cancer, how, how did your family, your immediate family, hold up with all this? They must have been, um, I mean, it must have been tough for them, but they must have been one heck of a support system for you as well.
1: Well, they really were. were and in an odd way, uh, for my mom, who had just suffered and experienced the greatest loss that she, she will ever have, um, she, it just zapped her into mom mode. And so it gave her a place to be um, in a really difficult time. And so in a strange way, it was kind of, you know, a refocus for the family. And they were there for me 100%. My brother came walking in the door a week after I found out with his head shaved. And he's like, I'm with you. Let's go. Um, That's cool. So even before I lost mine, he took his off. So mm-hmm. he was like, no fear. Let's do this. And yeah, they, they were just, you know. They were the best. They were everything. My mom was the best. You know, middle of the night I could call her and be like, I'm not sure if I should be having this temperature or, you know, and she, I lived in PA, she lived in Jersey. She'd bop in her car and be be there in a half an hour. And I'd be like, you know, knocking at the door, you know? So yeah, the support system was incredible.
0: That's great. Have yeah. you ever missed a game, Flyers game?
1: Have I ever missed a game? I missed uh, I missed a game when I, I adopted four children. Uh. So I missed a game when I my first daughter of was connected to our family. And I missed a game when my second two children were connected to our family and a third game when my son came into our family. Um, and I think I might've missed, might have missed one game during this whole, um, you know, sort of illness, but yeah, I was, I was there for better or worse. You know, how
0: are those kids doing?
1: Those kids are are great growing up. They are growing up. (laughs) That my oldest, uh, is now 20, which is shocking to me. Um, cause it feels like yesterday <laughs> I just met this little eight year old girl, seven year old girl. Right. Um, and you, you turn around and boom, yep. it's all different. I and have
0: two grandsons. So I, yeah, so you, time flies. Yeah, parents,
1: parents know, you yes. know, days are long, but time is short, That's you know, right. like it goes so quickly. Um, and, and that is a whole other lifetime from the time that I was going through those difficulties. So it, it's, um, it's kind of wild to look back on and think of all that's happened in that time. I
0: bet, yeah. I bet. Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren, I can't tell you how special it is to have you here in in the in our A A C R offices and spending a few minutes and getting to know you. And um, I'm already inspired, and and I've just got to meet you for the first time today, and um, appreciate what you do. Your dedication to helping people that you don't even know, and you're just willing to to reach out and help them with their with their journey. Um, the message that you're probably sending subliminally when you sing the national anthem to all those people is really really special. And uh, I just want you to know, I really appreciate you know, I really appreciate you and your family and what you've done. And Um, to come here and uh, bless us with your time on this podcast is really, really special. So um, thanks so much, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again. And um, we appreciate your support of AACR. It's really nice of you.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and I hope this is the beginning of a long relationship that we know one another. So now I'm uh, educated. You're
0: AACR ambassador now. There you go. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Once again, thank you to our listeners, supporters, and donors. You've just heard from Lauren Hart, a renowned singer and performer who has used her voice and music to raise awareness about cancer. Lauren's story is a powerful reminder of the impact that cancer can have on our lives and the importance of supporting those who are affected by this disease. The AACR is an organization that's committed to funding cutting edge research aimed at finding new treatments and ultimately a cure for cancer. We recognize the importance of supporting patients and survivors like Lauren who are using their voice to raise awareness about cancer. The reality is that cancer research requires significant funding, and that's where your support can make a difference. By donating to the AACR, you can help to fund research that leads to new treatments and cures for cancer. Did you know that every year, millions of people around the world are diagnosed with cancer? In the United States alone, it's estimated that over 1.8 million people will be diagnosed with cancer this year. But with your support, we can help to bring hope to those who are facing the diagnosis. Remember, your support drives the progress against cancer. Once again, please consider subscribing to our podcast, sharing this episode with a friend, and heading over to our website, aacr.org, to consider making a donation. Thank you for listening to Believe in Progress, the AACR Foundation's podcast. This podcast is produced by College Cast LLC. Please visit www.collegecastpodcast.com for more information. And don't forget, cancer research saves lives.